I'm going to, let me read this scripture to you, and then I'll talk about it a minute. It's, it's Acts 2, 27 through 39. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, and as many as our Lord, as the Lord our God will call. And so I really wanted to first is point out this verse 39 is to you and to your children. Uh, and so I really want to really emphasize to you this morning that God really wants to move in families. I said that a couple of weeks ago, I think. But God is interested in moving in the families these days. And this is really what they're talking about here. I, I really believe that God's going to bring a revival in the earth. And I believe one of the ways he's going to bring revivals is in our homes yeah. with the family. And with the family getting touched and with the family beginning to touch those around them, the neighborhoods and the people in the neighborhoods, we're going to be attracted to something and so I really ask you to believe the Lord for that and ask you to really be conscious of that. And when your family gathers for anything, just pay attention of what the Lord may be doing in that moment and ask Him to do something. Ask God to show up in your family gatherings. Just ask Him to... And if your family doesn't gather, ask Him to gather your family. Ask Him to do something where you could gather with your family and you could see God begin to move in the family, move in the children and, and I believe people will be attracted to that. And God will, and that's one thing I love about that, that, that video because it's a family in there. There's a family in there. It's not just a person, one person seeing redemption. The whole family is seeing a redemption. The whole family is seeing God do something. And that's how God wants, one of the ways that I believe that God wants to move. And obviously he's always wanted to, to move that way because this was right at the very beginning where God said he wanted to move not just with older people or just young people, but he wants to move with children. He wants to move with all of us. He wants to join us together in a move of God because the Bible says that in Abraham all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see, right from the beginning, God had this heart for families and seeing families come together and seeing families get powerfully touched by God and begin to affect other families that don't, you know, have anybody or don't have the Lord. Amen? Isn't that really wonderful? That's a wonderful message, I think. Well, this verse, as I read to you, of course, if you're familiar with the Bible, come out of the, uh, the first message that was preached uh, after Christ was risen from the dead by somebody other than Jesus. It was at the day of Pentecost that they preached this great message. This is sort of, sort of going towards the end of it. Most of the time when we think about Acts 2, we think about the Holy Spirit coming, right? And, you know, and all the manifestations that happened when the Holy Spirit fell on the church on the day of Pentecost. And so, you know, people were, you know, it says they were questioning, they were mocking, they were rejecting. And Peter stood up and began to preach a message. And he, if you go through that chapter 2, you'll see that he, he began by preaching about the Holy Spirit and explaining uh, what was happening, explaining to the people this, you know, this was prophesied, you know, he called, you know, the famous phrase, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. 
In the last days I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And that's what he began to explain. And he, you know, he went on from there and began to talk about uh, Christ and what, who Christ was and how, what Christ did. And then he said, and you guys, y'all killed him. Y'all killed Christ. You killed the, this person that was sent from God. And that's when, you know, the people listening said, said these famous words. It's, well, it says they were cut to the heart. And that was conviction of the Holy Spirit that hit those people that day. So this is important. Is here's one of the things we need to quit doing is trying to get people under conviction. Only God can convict a man. And see, God won't, and God does convict people. God makes people feel something on the inside like those people felt that day. And, and we can't, and so when we try to bring conviction, what we really bring is we bring condemnation and judgment because it is something that we do not have the ability to bring on a person. All we can do is bring the truth, the, the sword of the word, and let that do what it will do. And if it doesn't convict them, then that's not our problem. That's God's problem. And so I believe we, if we'll get out of the way and quit the, trying to get people to be moved by God and let God move them, I believe God will move on people more. It's when we can let go. You know, uh, Paul said this, said it like this. This is something everybody who does ministry has to go over and over their mind. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Your job is either to plant or water and let God do what's the rest of it. No farmer on the earth has been able to make a seed grow. He did his part. He planted the seed. He tried to cultivate the seed. But at the end of the day, God is what causes the seed to come forth. And God will cause seeds to come, to come forth. You know, I think this is an amazing thing. Uh, you know, when I get at my worst points, anybody ever have worst points? Like when you're at a worst point? You ever try to figure out what you're supposed to do when you're at a really bad place in your life, especially one that don't go away in a day or two, it like continues on for days, weeks, months maybe, even some people, years. You ever thought about that? I mean, and everybody goes through these worst points. And uh, um, one of the things that I, th- I think that really has helped me, I'm just going to give you some things that's helped me, is the last worst point I was at, I was really conscious about what was going on inside of my thoughts because the way you think you know as a man thinks so is he so I wanted to really understand what was what I was thinking about and how I needed to think different and I came to this conclusion I came to the conclusion there was two things I need to think about is I I needed to think about uh, the person of Christ and I needed to think about the Holy the person of the Holy Spirit I felt if I would put my focus there and think on those two people, then God would somehow help me in a way that I couldn't be helped. Because I realized it's easy for us to get our lives focused on the wrong thing. Christians have to be careful that we don't follow God, we don't serve God, we don't do the things we do for self-gratification. Because we're doing it because of how it makes us feel good. Well, God wants us to feel good, right? 
But if we worship the Lord exuberantly only because it makes us feel good, then there's something has gone wrong in our life. Okay, and something will go wrong in everybody's life around worship and around God and around ministry and around anything that has to do with spirituality. It'll all go wrong in your life. I don't care what you do. It'll all go wrong if somehow, uh, you know, we don't keep the center point, the center person. And lots of times when we're in a bad place, the best thing we can do is become refocused on the Lord himself. Right? And so I think that's really important. Did you know uh, every year in the United States there's over 1,500 books about Jesus Christ published? Every year in the United States there's over 1,500 new books published about Jesus Christ. One man called Jesus Christ the man who would not go away. (laughs) It's just true. He is the man who will not go away. No matter what you go through, no matter how terrible your life becomes, he's like the guy You can't escape him. He's going to always be there. He's going to always show up in your life in some way. You can be miserable. You can be hating on God, but he's going to show up in some way in your life. He really is the man. But there's 1,500 more books coming out this year for you to find this person. He'll just keep coming after you. You know, when he he was, uh, he did all this wonderful stuff and then he died. It was a quiet day, right? It was a quiet day. Uh, you know, he was, re- he, he was killed on Friday, supposedly. It was a quiet day on Saturday. Imagine that day, how quiet the earth became because this person who had created a, 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 an explosion of, of, of revelation, an explosion of himself, and suddenly he's no longer, he's no longer there. Uh, and his ending was just violent, and his ending was like his life. It was it was a revolutionary life, and it was a, a his death was befitting of a of a revolutionary man who was captured, and suddenly everything was quiet, you know, and it just it was like a pause in heaven almost. There was nothing happening. The people who followed him and, and, and forsook everything were suddenly finding themselves at odds and finding themselves not knowing what to do with themselves because they had lived this amazing adventure for three years. Three and a half years they had lived a, this amazing life. Following this guy around, watching him do stuff, helping him do stuff, hearing his talks, having conversation with him, getting him to explain things to him. It was the, the beautiful life, right? It was the dream and suddenly the dream was over. Right, the dream was over. It was all over with. They thought they thought it was all over with. Some people in this room, you think your dreams are over with. You think it's over. You really do. Here's what the Lord wants to tell people. Uh, you know, if you'll give me those dreams, they won't be over with. If you'll give them to me, you'll let go. Some of you are still pouting with God. You're pouting because what happened? God ain't in the, in the pouting. He wants you to give give up. He wants you to give up. So, anyways, well, you know what happened. You know, he actually didn't end his ministry. He came back from the dead, and and then things really started popping, right? Because suddenly it wasn't just one guy. It was a bunch of guys and girls because, and that's what Peter, this is what the story is here in Acts 2. 
it was like, oh, you thought it was going to be crazy, which is him. This, it's just begun. This, the unusual person, the unusual man, the man who wouldn't go away, has suddenly come back in a bunch of people. He's come back in a bunch of people because he gave everybody who, would, who were willing, he gave us this spirit, this Holy Spirit. And he poured the Spirit out. It said the Bible says there in, in that the, the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Think about that. Not a promise, but the. Everybody say the. 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 I th- thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the promise. You know why it's the promise of the Father? Because it's the Spirit of Christ. And so that's why the Holy Spirit, you can say, we can focus on, on the Holy Spirit and Jesus. We're focusing on the same person. And so it's really important, I think. Anyways, these people were cut to the heart, and they asked the question, what shall I do? And so that's the question, right? When, when the Holy Spirit comes, even when you're not com- under like a conviction, but you're under some kind of spell, so to sp- that's probably a bad word to use in church. They're talking about spells in real life. Well, that's a witchcraft. That ain't God. Y'all need to get away from that church. <laughs> One time somebody said, Byron, you need to be careful because you said something about not studying the Bible. And if somebody pulled that thing out, they would ruin you. I'm already ruined. <laughs> I've been ruined a long time ago. Anyways, well, maybe spell's not a good word. No, Becky says it's not, so it's not. It probably was at one time, but somebody stole it. You know? But... Anyways, I don't even know what I was talking about. They don't, people have this need, they have a need. So I feel like this morning in worship, I, I felt this need in me. I felt like I need something, God. I, I really need something. And I felt a need because God's presence came on me. When God's presence comes on you, suddenly hum, your humanity and God, there becomes a, a difference there. You realize there's this difference in your life. You realize there's, there's something more that God wants for you and I. He, he has something more, and that's the need that people get to feeling. You feel like there's something more. You feel like, i got to have something. There's something more. God didn't create me for, for just where I'm at at this moment. There's something more God wants to urge me on. He wants to urge us on to this thing that that conviction brings on us and it just stabs at our hearts. And that's what these people were feeling that day. They didn't know what was going on. All they knew, they just were cut and they just want to know what are we supposed to do? You see, that's a good question to ask God when God really starts touching you. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, Lord? You know something's stirring in your heart when you feel that way. That's one of the best questions ever. Lord, what am I supposed to do? I need something. I don't know what it is that I need. See, that's the thing about God. You don't know what it is that you need. Are y'all okay? I hope so. Well, Peter told him a great secret. He said, what did he say? He told him, uh, repent. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. You need to repent. Well, thank you, Lord. That's a good good thought there right repent so so Peter said if you repent what you that will open the door to give you what you need okay that's what he said if you'll repent a door in heaven will be open to you and that need that you have in your life God will fill that need for you that's what he was saying so 
one of my favorite subjects in the Bible actually has to do with repentance um, because it's, it's really, really important. Um, I think, this is what I think about repentance. I think it's, it's one of the most misused and abused words that we have in our vocabulary. Uh, meaning this is we make repentance simply about stopping sin. Okay, that's what the church has really been good at. And let me just say this without any question. Stopping sin is kind of big time, right? You know, right? I mean, if you're sinning, you, you probably do need to stop doing that at some point because it's not going to be good for you to keep sinning, right? But let me just say this. You can stop sinning and become a very good moral person. I know some unbelievers who are way more more moral, moral acting than a lot of Christians. But guess what? They don't really have a relationship with the Lord. They're just really good, upstanding, moral people for some reason. You know? And so I think that's one of the things that I think about, you know, we got to get the whole message of repentance. It's so here, here's the thing. The first, John the Baptist, when he came, his first message was this, what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he said. Jesus came. His first message that he preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The church, the day of Pentecost, the first message that Peter preaches, repent. It's mentioned, listen, 56 times in the New Testament. Amen. The word repent. Paul the apostle goes all over it. Peter goes all over it constantly. John, the, the beloved, talks about repentance constantly. At the, in the book of Revelation, one of the things that Jesus is talking to churches about is what? Repent. Repent. Yeah. Okay, so, so Christianity, it's got to be important if it's talked about that much in the Bible. It's like one of the most foundational things of our life is, is repentance and living a life of repentance because, see, I think repentance is not just a one-time thing. I think repentance is a lifestyle. I think we, we have to live in repentance constantly. Because repentance is not just about stopping sin. It's, about, it's, about making, it's really about making a complete turn in your life and getting in sync with God. That's what repentance really is about. It's about you were living one way, you were thinking one way, you were doing one way, and suddenly you're making this shift and you're no longer living that way, you're no longer thinking that way, you're no longer doing that way. You're getting in sync with how God thinks and what God does because repentance literally means change the way you're thinking. That, and so you can't tell me, and, and what does the Bible tell us? It says you're, you're, you're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how is your mind renewed? Your mind is renewed by changing the way you're thinking. Well, y'all, this is important. Okay, this is important. This will help you in every, every day of your, of your life. God called us to live every day in our life to continually our thoughts being renewed, our thoughts being exchanged, our thoughts being changed. How many people in this room suffer from bad thoughts? I would like to, you know, so I'm going to tell you, it makes a difference in our life if we will not allow those bad thoughts to come in and take possession of our minds. When you begin to resist those thoughts, when you're laying in your bed, whatever they may be, when you begin to not just accept those thoughts, but be active about those thoughts and do what Paul says in Corinthians, capture those thoughts. You know, I've said this a few times, you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can stop them from nesting in your head. The birds are thoughts. 
Once a thought gets into your head, it's your thought. It's not just somebody else's thought or the devil's thought or some atmospheric thought that's out there. It becomes your thought and then it becomes your life. Because the way you think is going to determine the way you live. And so Jesus went right from the beginning and says, if you, want to, if you want to have a shift in your life, if you want to be able to connect with the spiritual realm, you're going to have to change the way you think. John said it. Peter's saying it. Y'all need to change the way you're thinking about things. You didn't think about Jesus right. You didn't think about any of this right. If you'll start changing the way you think, you can get rid of some of that bad thinking and you can enter into something. Here's something interesting. Are y'all okay? Here's something interesting. He said to repent for the, be baptized for the remission of sins, right? That's a, it's interesting what, if you study what, the, what sin is in the Bible. It's not what you think, okay? Sin, if you look at the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, here's what sin literally means, missing the mark. Missing the mark. In other words, now... It's like, you know, there's a scripture where it says that children are like arrows in a man's quiver, right? Y'all know that scripture? Somewhere in Psalms. That was a quiver was that thing they put them little arrows in, you know, you pull your little arrow out and you shoot it. Well, we're like those arrows in God's hands. And so God created every one of us for a purpose and gave every one of us a true identity, Okay, and here's what really sin is. It's you're not being who you really are. You're, and it says you've missed the mark. You've fall, either you've fallen short or you've gone off the mark. And so you've lived your life being something you're not. That's what sin is. You're not being who you are. You're not being real. You're not being the real person. Therefore, you've missed the mark. You've fallen short or you've went in another direction in your life. And you've gotten out of sync with God. And you begin to do things and act in a certain way that's not who God called you to be. Does that make sense? And that when you begin to look at sin like that, it gives you a whole different picture. When you begin to look at sin as I'm living an inauthentic life when I think that way and do that way. I'm not living for who I really am. I'm not living to be the person that God really created me to be. I think that's liberating to me. If you study uh, the book of Romans, it talks about two things. It talks about sin, and it talks about sins. <laughs> okay? I, and, and, when the, and sort of the way Paul presents it is sin is dealt with at the cross. Our sin nature. I was shocked when I found out God didn't crucify sin. Like, why am I still sinning if I'm crucified? I mean, what, what happened to sin? Uh-uh, sin's still there. You know, but the but the the person of sin, the old man was done away with. Right? And that's what the cross does. And then sins the blood of Jesus. Does that make sense? If you study Romans real close, you'll see the difference. That Paul is subtle, but he switches from sin as a as a force, as a strength, to sins. See, sin is missing the mark. Sins are what you do when you're not really being your real self. Do you get that? Are y'all getting this? So it's really so when you when you begin to think about why you're doing things, when you're doing bad things, when you're when you're sinning, really the way you deal with it, you get back to this is not really me. I'm not really being true. I'm missing the mark in my life. I've gone off the mark. God shot me out of heaven onto this earth to be somebody and be something 
and I've missed it. I've missed it. I've fallen short. It really is true. I wish, you know. You know, it's, a lot of people think sin, you know, repentance is about regretting, but that's, they were already regretting, you know. That was, you know. Mm-mm. Are y'all right? So here's something that I think is really important. Repentance opens the door for forgiveness from God because he said, you know, if you'll repent for the remission of sins and forgiveness. See, that's something everybody needs is forgiveness. Is everybody in this room right now, you need some forgiveness in your life in some way. And so that's what really repentance will do for you. It opens the door for God to release forgive, forgiveness into in people's life. And uh, when I was, I used to think about, for, I had a lot of trouble with forgiveness, by the way, because I'm really a sensitive guy. And when somebody does something that hurts my feelings, I really have a hard time with them. You know, just to be honest with you, if somebody hurts my feelings, I will tend to like, you know, kick them to the curve in my heart like, mm, I'm done with them because I'm trying to protect me, because I'm sensitive, okay? And I think most people are sensitive. People don't like to be treated bad, you know? And so when somebody treats you bad, it hurts you. It's wounding to you. And so you tend to pull back from people who are, who are mean to you, whether they're being mean on purpose or not. That's what we do. I think everybody in this room, if you were truthful, you would say that. You would say, I don't like people treating me bad and saying b- bad things to me and rejecting me. And so you pull away from people when you feel like they're coming after you. And so I was asking the Lord, Lord, it just seems like to me that's what forgiveness is all about is, is that mankind lost their way. Mankind became something they weren't in Adam. And they got off the mark. And all we have done is build on that thing. And that's why, why God came in Christ, is to release His forgiveness. And people who don't walk in forgiveness, they lose their ability to hope. Because forgiveness ties, is tied to hope. Because if you're in unforgiveness, you're hooked to the past. Are you see what I'm saying? That's what unforgiveness is. It's about the past. Forgiveness is about the future. So you can't really walk in true hope if you're walking in unforgiveness. Y'all are just sitting there looking at me like I'm crazy. This right here will change your life. If you begin to lose hope in your heart, one of the first things you need to do is, where do I have unforgiveness? Am I tied up in unforgiveness somewhere? Am I angry at that person who rejected me? Am I angry at God for God not answering my prayers? Because you can't really walk in hope without walking in forgiveness. That's really the truth. Hope is tied to forgiveness always because forgiveness releases us from living from the past. And you're always going to have a need to forgive people. I don't care who you are and how far you've gone. Because you're going to get hurt over and over in life. Life has a lot of wounds. And and Jacob really said it. You're going to get burned messing with the fire. It's going to burn you. But if you'll let God touch those burns. That's what I think about The other thing he said about, for, for, about repentance is it opens the door for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he didn't limit 
what that looked like. Right? He didn't say, oh, well, this is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Or no, this is the the Holy Spirit coming upon you in power. Or this is the Holy Spirit, you know, with peace. He didn't say any of that. He just said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, they didn't put a limitation on the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They allowed the Holy Spirit to come and be the way he wanted to be. You know? And so he can come and repentance opens the door. And so I want to get this thing. Is Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he said. He, he didn't say repent from and stop sinning. He said, you know, you need to change the way you think because there's something more available for you and I. There's something more available that we can have, that we can tap into, okay? And, and, and two things that are going to happen, two things that you can tap into right away is one, you can tap into forgiveness, which will tap you into hope, okay? Two, you can tap into the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, once you tap into the Holy Spirit, you can tap into the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is within the realm of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the two things he said that could happen in our lives when we begin to, to repent, when we begin to change the way we think. And every day in our life, we, sh- we should be changing the way we think. Every morning in your life, you should be t- asking God how to think different, how to see different. How God thought about something yesterday doesn't mean he's going to think about that today. You see, God's calling a church to really begin to think differently and think in a different way than we've always thought, okay? And we can't make judgments and we can't make decisions apart from hearing the thoughts of God and allowing those thoughts to become a part of our lives. And so I think one of the most profound things that could happen to anybody is we would learn how to think differently. In other words, we would learn how to truly repent and not just say, you know, we need to repent and talk about just stopping sinning. No, we need to repent and start talking about what God's thinking and what God's saying and what God is wanting to do. And when we begin to receive those things, then our life begins to change. Are you all okay? And see, that's really the, the New Testament way of living. That's, way, that's, that's how God, what God wanted us to have. That was his gift to us. To be able to tap into the spirit realm was repentance. It was a gift from God. It wasn't a negative thing. And so let's don't make it a negative thing. Let's make it a gift thing that it gives us. The, it opens a door to the spiritual world for us. And, and it opens the, the door for the mind of the Lord to us. I give up. <laughs> I give. Let me pray for you. Lord, everybody close your eyes if you can. Now, everybody's eyes are closed except mine. I'm going to peek. How many people in here feel a little hopeless these days? Raise your hand. Okay. Come on, tell the truth. All righty, goody, goody. You feel hopeless. All right, Lord, the people who have their hands up, you can put them down because people are peeping. (laughs) Here's what I want to pray. Lord, you guys if there's unforgiveness if it's towards you Lord if it's towards another person or an organization if it's towards themselves their spouse or family anything I just pray today Holy Spirit you would just just reveal that just say Holy Spirit I invite you to show me any areas of unforgiveness in my life because I want to have hope again I want to believe again. I want to quit living from my past, Lord, and the pain of my past. 
the failure of my past. I'm asking you to come now, Lord. All right, now let's, let's, let's pray this about the Holy Spirit, okay? Anybody got any conflict in their life? Raise your hand. You got some conflict going? Oh, Lord, help. Yeah, here's my favorite prayer when I have conflict. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this conflict. <laughs> oh. Just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Now, you think about the conflict you're having. Invite him into that. Ask him to come into that, that place. Just say, I let you, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to fight this. But I'm going to let you work. Now, here's a really dangerous prayer. Let's say, Holy Spirit. You can move in my life in any way you want to. Even if, you, even if I feel humiliated about it. See, I told you it was dangerous. Uh, hey, y'all remember that old rock and roll song called It Hurts So Good? Sometimes that's, sometimes, huh? John Mellick, yeah, yeah, it hurts so good. Come on, baby, it hurts so good. Sometimes love don't feel like it should because it hurts so good. But it's true. It's true. And I feel like God just wants to sing that song over some of us this morning. Like, sometimes love doesn't really feel like it should. It don't feel loving. It feels painful. It feels hurtful. But God is saying it's a good hurt if you'll let it be a good hurt. And if you'll let your hurts go this morning, if you'll let your hurts go, God can work in your life. God can do something in your life. You know, He really does want to change the way we think every day of our life. Every day of our life, He wants a renewed mind. Every day of our life, He wants us to hear hear things from heaven. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal things to us every day, all the time. He wants us to live in that kind of life. That's a lifestyle of repentance. It's always like thinking, Lord, oh, I'm thinking wrong. Lord, give me your thoughts on this. And trust Him that He'll do that. And when He does, you just go with the thoughts you get. And it'll be really good. Amen.